in 2006, I went to an Indians game a week and a half after my mom died, and I won a 2006 Ford Mustang from the Cleveland Indians. So I will always be an Indians fan. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. My name is Jason Phillips, your Columbus CPC, and I am joined by the, I haven't called you Charles in a while, Charles, Charles Grigsby. Charles Lane Grigsby Jr. joining you here on the podcast. Columbus City wow. missionary. Dan, is your full name Dan Graham? Is it Daniel Graham? Is it Daniel Ryan? It is. It, it's Daniel L. Graham II. And I won't tell you what the L stands for because I, yeah. I thought uh, it's, um, well, I, I suppose I can tell you because I don't know how many listen to this podcast, but it's, it's, it's Leroy. Oh, and so Leroy. my wife, does not like Leroy, so we do not have a third uh, Daniel Leroy Graham the third. Yes. Okay, so joining us today is Daniel Leroy Graham the second. <laughs> second, yes. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Dan. I thought about going by DL Graham, you know, combining you know DL Moody and yeah, like Billy that. Graham, but I didn't. Yeah, but your your last name. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah, that was my first question. Why is your last name so hard to spell? My dad says, and I don't know if this is an urban legend or not, but it used to be Mookgram coming from somewhere in Europe, and they dropped the Mook when they came to America. But it is spelled G-H-R-A-M-M, not like the graham cracker. So if you find another name like that, I am related to them. But and it, yeah, it Mookgram, that was smart, dropping the Mook. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more people should do that with their last names when it's less than desirable. Yeah, pretty much anytime I need to send you an email, Dan, it takes me like 15 minutes to figure out where your email is because I can't spell your name correctly to find the email True. address. That's, that's why there is no dangram.com. So that's for sure. I have a I have a weird, Grigsby is my last name and nobody gets the second G. It's all Grisby. Oh. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been put in a bulletin at a church as Grispy. So it happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about church planting and other things. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and uh, your church? It's Gateway. And then how you got, got connected to um, that church and also your uh, CPC role in Cleveland. Gotcha. Um I, I won't go all the way back, but at least I'll, I'll go um, enough far enough back that because uh, there is a connection with, uh, I grew up in Washington State, so like nowhere near oh. here. Um, yeah, college in Pennsylvania, and then seminary in West Michigan, um, not Southern Baptist. And so then um, uh, after seminary came to Cleveland area uh, to work at a um, Evangelical Friends Church. It was a, a Quaker church to try to figure out some of what I believed and didn't believe. And uh, we hired a guy named Alex Ennis, who was our youth and college guy. And uh, he was there for maybe a year, year and a half, left there to plant the very first gateway downtown, 2006. I thought he was nuts. Who goes downtown, who plants churches, all that kind of stuff. So I will pray for you, my friend. So um, I did. 
And a couple years later, he calls me and says, hey, uh, what's next for you in ministry? Do you want to plant a church? And I'm like, oh, interesting. And so we did. We planted Gateway West in 2009. Uh, we shared name, bank account, and a funnel cake machine. But everything else was autonomous. And so nice. um, we launched Gateway West in 2009. A couple years later, we helped uh, plant what was Gateway Heights, now City Church, where um, uh, some of our uh, friends are, like Corey Wilson and some others are a part of that. So that was a part of our network. And then um, we planted um, what the pet church I'm currently planting, uh, I'm currently pastoring, is Gateway in North Ridgeville. We had also uh, planted Gateway Old Brooklyn and uh, oh. Tony Lissetto there. So it's kind of a network. That, this was prior to really said um, network getting fully organized in right. the Cleveland area. And so now we we don't do it that way in the same way anymore, which is uh, because we've got such a robust network um, in uh, NAM and said network, things like that. So anyway, so I uh, planted Gateway West and was there for six, almost seven years, and then uh, left to go and be a full-time church planting catalyst out in West Michigan, where I went to seminary. And so we were there for about two and a half years. And it was a weird dynamic because my wife's business, she's a sign language interpreter as an agency, kept growing while we lived in Michigan, but it kept growing here in Cleveland. So we were asking, okay, God, what do you, what do you got for us? So we eventually moved back to Cleveland for me to pastor this church where Alex uh, Ennis, this is the second church he planted. He left to go to Missouri for another ministry. And so uh, here I am today, a part-time church planting catalyst with Nam, and then also a full-time pastor. Um, uh, Gateway in North Ridgeville. So my current role. Married uh, for 27 years as of last Friday. Damn, and almost uh, my entire have, life. I know. I know. And I you do not look old your enough. Dad. You don't look old enough to have been married 27 years, Dan. Uh, I got married even when I was 22. So I'm almost 50. So. Wow. So I'm an old guy. You wear it? We've well. got five kids. Oh. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I've got five kids. Oldest lives in Colorado. He's out there doing his own thing, living on the slope. Um, and then my next daughter uh, just went to Boyce College, uh, starting as a freshman. And then I've got a sophomore boy, a um, seventh grade boy, and a fifth grade girl. So it is a full house, Jacks over Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. How Three. many times have you said that before? A lot. And my <laughs> wife says, stop saying it. Three, three boys, two girls. Jack's ever queens, right? Good job. I got Very it. Well. I, believe it or not, I have uh, played some poker in my life. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not great at it. But Dan, you're from Washington State. Did you live? Were you from the Palouse? Um, from the what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought that I was like on the outside of something here, but I'm trying to impress you with my knowledge of Washington State. But you, you were not impressed uh, at all, were you? The Palouse. Yeah, the Palouse is uh, where Resonate Church is. It's a region of the northwestern United States that includes southeastern Washington and some parts of Oregon, but mostly it's just it's Washington. It's where Washington State is and all that. Wow. No, I grew up north of Spokane, okay. which is, we've got some 
some, uh, I think resonates also in Spokane area, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're, so they're I grew up an hour there. north of there. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, um, where Washington State's in, in um, um, just outside of Spokane. And then, uh, but I spent time both over in the Seattle area and then also in the, the east side of the state. Mm, yeah, I think Washington right. State might be the most beautiful state it's in the country. Yeah, yeah, we went okay. last summer to, we went to all three national parks in Washington State, and every single one is just stunning. What are the national yeah. parks in Washington State, Jason? Uh, Mount Rainier, okay. Olympic, and uh, shoot. I've never That's been to National Park Shoot. Yeah, I've never been to that one either. Yeah. Should you go uh, to Mount St. Helens area? I did not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Man, I'm really struggling to remember. It's the furthest north one. You don't have to wonder. Just use the internet. Yeah, you're right. We have Google now. We don't have to, you know, Dan, we don't have to wonder about anything because we have the internet. That's true. Amazing. So that's that's fascinating. So you've been you've been really uh, all all over the place, but really settled in Cleveland for a large part of your kind of adult life. Yeah, um, a chunk between uh, Pennsylvania College in Pennsylvania and then uh, seminary in Michigan, and then back and forth between Cleveland and, and the Grand Rapids area. That's kind of the Midwest. Um, That's cool. For most of my life. But we've been, what's interesting is where you raise your kid is where your fandom grows. So we're now Buckeye fans and Browns fans and Cavs and and Indians Guardians fans. So, I love Indians slash because that's Guardians. where your kids are at. Yeah. So if you've been there well, a long I, time, are you not calling them Guardians? You just can't. Just... I'm now calling them Guardians, but see, you know, this I've got another really cool story. This could be a whole nother. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but uh, in 2006, I went to an Indians game a week and a half after my mom died, and I won a 2006 Ford Mustang from the Cleveland Indians. No, you did not. Wow. So I will always be an Indians fan. Yes. So the next time I see you, I will show you a picture okay. Okay. of the car that I won. This is fantastic. I care nothing about church planting anymore. I want to know all about this Mustang and how you won it. What did you do to win it? We went to the game. My mom had died. Like, I'm, I'm a mess. Um, it was a bad, she choked to death from alcohol. It was a bad, like we were yeah, in a bad place, you know? And so friends of mine from church gave us tickets. So me and my son went, my son and I went and they picked him out of the crowd and said, can we give your son a prize? I'm like, sure. So we're on the jumbotron and they give us this uh, hot wheels kind of thing. It was cool. Well, which it was fan appreciation, right? So any of the fans that got the stuff in between the innings, Got to go down on the field afterwards, and I reached in, pulled out the key that started the car, and it started the car, and we won the car. And so we were so broke, though. I mean, broke. We, my wife was pregnant with our third kid, and uh, we we had to put the sales tax on a credit card to get the car home <laughs> to even have it. So, and so then how, we, much, we how much was the sales tax? How much was the sales tax? Uh, $1,600, $1,800, something like that. Yeah, so that's, we that's what's crazy because when yeah. you win something like that, you think it's free, but it's no, it's not yeah. free. I've heard and, the prices cool. rate. Like sometimes the people can't even take the stuff home that they oh, win because really? of all the taxes they have to pay. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. So you. Oh, um, yeah. I think by the time, I mean, we cleared like 11 grand, which was wonderful. 
but here I am riding home on the, the rapid thinking my license just completely changed, you know, because I just, it was just this, I mean, $20,000 car is all it was, you know, we sold it for 17000 Wow, I love that. That's cool. And the day of my mom's funeral, I won a year's worth of supply of Chick-fil-A. So mm. maybe God is just kind to give you free to give us free things. Your grief. I mean, yours is worth a lot more than like a year's supply of Chick-fil-A, but I was pretty excited about it. Jason so. has won more year supply of food than any other person I've It's known. true. I, I won uh free Wendy's breakfast for a year last mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And then we just got a Torchy's tacos. Have you ever heard of that? No. Well, I guess it's based out of Texas. Austin, Texas, yeah. Yeah. Um, we just got one on Polaris and I won uh free queso for a year there. Now I suppose it depends on how much Chick-fil-A you eat, because that could be a lot of money. That's true. But they, they say it for a year, but I mean they only it's give like you once a week. Once a week go. you can get something. Yeah. So yeah, they limit you. It sounds I think Chick-fil-A was twice a week. on Sundays. Yeah. 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 You have Only to go on, on Sundays. Sundays. <laughs> but he has one food for a year. I I don't win things. I pay for you things. You probably don't enter things. Uh you're probably right. Yeah. That's <laughs> if you enter the competition. That was the same year I went to a tab game and I won a hundred bucks. Oh and I kept saying I want to go to a Browns game, but there's you're not much winning win. that happens <laughs> in a Browns game. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, so you're you're a church planning catalyst and you're also a pastor. Um, I, I, I don't know everybody's like this, but I don't like being just one thing. And it sounds like you don't like that either. Like you like being a pastor and a church planning catalyst because you like mobilizing planters, but you also like being a pastor uh, yourself. Talk about that just relationship and dynamic and why you like both of those things. It's a hard question to answer because um, uh it's been such a journey. You know, I, I came out of seminary while well, I was going to seminary as a youth pastor um, and then uh, became a kind of a number two guy at the Friends Church in North Homestead, discipleship stuff. And so I was just a pastor then, and, and that was great. But then when I planted the church, I, I think as I really fell into developing uh, or utilizing uh, some leadership skills I hadn't been using with like preaching and and uh, also just being a missionary. So I, I was able, thankfully, to be full-time as a, uh, a church planter, which was great. And then I went full-time working for the North American Mission Board as a CPC. It, that's very different, mm -hmm. very different. And I, I missed preaching. Yep. I missed uh, leadership in a, in, a, in a local church. I mean, I, I served in a local church. It was great. But it was just wasn't the same. And I, I do feel like I've got the best of both worlds now. But they're so merged together. Like, I, I can't separate CPC from being a pastor right now. If one role were to change, I suppose I'd have to. But, but they're pretty integrated. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I do like doing both. Yeah, there's a lot of alignment, right, when you're pastoring kind of a church plant or pastoring a multiplying church and you're also yeah. multiplying and doing working with planters, which is great. That probably allows for you to do it time-wise because there's alignment there, which is really cool. But I, I also just, I, 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 res, I resonate with what you're saying 
it's very different than being a church member and then leadership of a church. It's very different. And I, I remember stepping out of our church plant and stepping into a denominational role. And I, so much so that I said, I'd never do it again. And yet here I am working full-time for the North American, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I am very connected at LifePoint as a, as a very well used volunteer. So you literally get paid. <laughs> I do lead worship right now. Yeah, you're right. Why do you keep saying that? You get paid. <laughs> it may be $5, but you get paid something. No, no, it's, I do. So <laughs> anyway, I resonate with you, Dan. I resonate with you. And that's all I was going to say. Yeah. You do have an office in a church. So I do have an office in a church. For now. For now. Yeah. For now. We're hiring more people. I've used your office before. You have, yeah, that's yeah. Right. When you help us with assessment, well, Dan, or... I'm I'm a kingdom minded guy. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan helps us with assessment in yeah. Columbus as well. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you do what emotional spiritual health usually for us. Um, I think I've either done, yeah, especially when you sent me the questions. I was thinking, uh, I don't know if I've done more emotional spiritual health, but probably I've done more. Um, family dynamics family because dynamics. early on when I was in seminary I got certified in preparing rich okay. and that's not uh, not all the guys are, are just so I think I've done far more family dynamics and then a few emotional and spiritual health ones before we dive into that can you do a little bit of a um, advertisement for say a planter's listening and he, he's not preparing rich certified on why he should be and so the tool and stuff because I, I am, love it, used it in stuff, marriage counseling and stuff, premarital counseling. You give your little advertisement yeah. for why they should. Yeah, it's just a tried and true product that will help a couple, whether it's pre-wedding or it's, um, they've been married long time, even the retirement age. I've done it with retired couples that are, or couples that are getting married at retirement, all kinds of stuff. And it just helps anyone know where they're at in a number of areas of their life. And so they answer so many questions and that um, it's just a good tool in your tool belt. Say, hey, here's, you plug in some email addresses, they can pay for it, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever it is now. And you get the data back and then you just sit down and talk about it. So I'm I'm a big fan. I would say, take the opportunity to do it and just have it there. Because I, I would say that pastors nowadays more than ever need to decide what is their availability and skill level when it comes to counseling. But it's just always good to, to have that tool. Yeah, agree. Good. Well, going back to um, assessment, assessment. Mm-hmm. Dan taught me a really important thing at assessment that you shouldn't have somebody assess when they have a planter participating in the. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, yes, if, you so. <laughs> if you have, if you run an assessment, do not put anybody as a as an assessor if they have a planter participating in this. Right, Dan? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would imagine, have we gotten to the point where most CP, most assessors are not CPCs? Are we, are we, are we there yet? Yes. I don't, I think the, the only reason why, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that time we used you because somebody dropped out last minute, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, well, we try I, not to. I believe it was our state president took a job 
in another state. And so I got to be the bullpen. Yep. That is what happened. And then we just found out that he moves. He lives in Ohio now. Yeah. You, you might be number two on the depth chart, Dan, but you're number one in our heart. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about, you know, the family dynamics. Why is that important to assess planters in family dynamics? Do you think, why is that crucial? Why do we do that? I think there's an overlap with the emotional and spiritual health piece in that um, the enemy doesn't want church planting to happen. In fact, this last Sunday, um, we have a church planting resident that we kind of, it was church planting Sunday at our church where we announced, hey, he's headed to Lorraine, Ohio. And so here's here's why we're church planting. Here's the what, here's the who. And so it's, it's hopefully a part of our DNA. But as we do that, every church planter, um, it's not, every church plant, it's not like we're starting, we're not opening a gas station. We're not opening an ice cream shop. It's not that kind of, it's, it's there's an enemy. This is a, a kingdom battle. So the enemy is going to fight at probably the weakest area of a leader, a planter, and his wife and family, and go after that. And I just I think that the the stresses, the unknowns, the fears, um, you're just gonna have to have a healthy enough marriage and a healthy enough walk with God to sustain the difficulties of that. And there I remember there was a very distinct mindset difference when I was working for an established church that had four to 500, almost 600 folks coming than when I was planting my own church. Just, I never thought about my paycheck with one. I thought about my paycheck all the time with the other one. I thought about, um, uh, like I would go home at night, be done with my job at the one church it was never done with it. So just the stresses and the, the anxiety of it all, you're just going to need to have as healthy a marriage as you can. And, and then there's a threshold. So the interviews at an assessment, we ask a lot of questions and we dive deep. And I would say there's been a good number of, hey, you know what, you guys need to wait. Or nope, it's not for you just because of their marriage and their family dynamic. What do you think about covid that's made just that part of the marriage or emotional mental health that much more important for planters. I mean, don't you think it's changed us COVID, you know, and just experiencing this mentally, uh, just mental health. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, um, it, I think it forces your hand now we're, we're another poker illustration here. Um, it it forces like like what is it? What are you truly made of? I guess. And and I think the thing with with COVID, at least it was for me and maybe for other planters, is it's um, it's a long ongoing um, tension with planting. I think that that tension comes and goes. Oh, we've got the launch coming up or we've got the, the preview service or we've got this or that. And it's not like, like you can take a breather. I think COVID, you almost, no pun intended, couldn't breathe. You just, mm. it was that ongoing pressure that um, either made it or you don't. Like, I don't know statistics. I don't pay attention to no, I'm, 
sorry, ma'am, I'm not a numbers guy. I just, I'm not. So I haven't paid attention to how many guys bowed out, how many plants didn't make it. I don't know, but uh, I'm sure that the overall health was, that was a big challenge. So, yeah. but, but sorry, I, let me go down this rabbit, this, this, this trail for a moment. I, I don't think it was COVID that was as painful. I think it was the political cultural crap that made it far more difficult on planters and pastors. Yeah, I think the dynamics of what is the church's role and the Christian's role in race relations, in politics and all that, I think COVID was just an added piece to it. Because the for most of us, we're like, eh, whatever, let's get through this. There's you know, We lost some people that we loved. But I don't know about you, but I haven't figured out the cultural war, cultural war stuff. I mean, that's just a mess. I think that's harder on planters than others. It was like, it was a lose-lose situation in most times, right? Mm -hmm. With with COVID. Like, like you, you, you did masks, you, 50% of the people hated you. You didn't do masks, 50% of the people hated you. It's like, either way, people were going to hate you. Yeah, (laughs) and COVID became a political thing that people were trying to figure out on top of all the other political things. Right, right. So that that's what makes that super challenging or made it super challenging. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't have another question. Dan, Dan, Dan what, what, my uh, wife came in the office looking for something. We did, we did I see her. That, yeah. We didn't know whether to say hi or not because this is not a video podcast. <laughs> so we, she, I could tell that she's ghost. late to get on to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she seems nice. During, <laughs> during COVID, I was doing some sort of broadcast, um, and um, uh, I, my neighbor, little neighbor girl, came up and stood behind me, and I never noticed it. And so people were texting me like, "Who's that little blonde girl behind you?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." So anyway, it was, kind of, it was. I didn't know what was in there. So. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your time, pal, and for visiting with us. Really thankful we get to work together through Send Network Ohio and uh, get to get to partner together. And super thankful for you and all the assessment stuff you've done with us. And just uh, just been good getting to know you and to have you as a pal. And you're welcome to use my office any day as long as I have it. As long as you. <laughs> It might only be a few weeks, honestly. Yeah, unless you're going to be in Columbus area in the next few weeks, you might. Yeah, it might. Yeah, we might be gone. Yeah. And, I, right. and I would say this, I, I do appreciate more than ever the um, the teamwork that is happening within Ohio from, from SCBO and convention to um, local send network stuff to even our associations, I think are working together in some great ways. So I, I just love the fact that we can, we can help each other. Very, very encouraged by all that. Same here, pal. Well, appreciate you. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.